0: John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known.
1: Thank you, Miho, for reading from John's Gospel. And I always love hearing the Bible read in different languages. You get a sense of the rhythm, even if you don't know the words spoken. You get a sense of the fact that people actually gave their lives to translate scriptures into different languages centuries ago. And that came at a costly price. And we have the freedom of hearing it, read, access to it. It always blows me away. But uh, can I uh, extend my welcome? My name's Pete Horlock. I'm one of the pastors, uh, church leadership here at Grace Church. And it's a pleasure to have you with us this morning. We're just going to spend some time thinking about that reading from uh, John chapter 1. But my mind. Two weeks ago, well, as I was thinking this week, two weeks ago, cast back to the fact that a guy called Milo Walton was not really known. To his family, friends at school, yes, but he wasn't an internet sensation. All that changed after a conversation, a chat he had with his mum about his school nativity was posted on TikTok, and it's a Christmas hit. He's been on TV, it's even well worth a watch right now. So, uh, let's see Milo in action. Oh, what a lad. How funny is that? I hope someone sort of just lowers him down gently, though, because as door holder number three, he's probably the one who opens and says, yes, we've got room for you. But, you know, we'll see how he reacts to that. But you can see Milo's excitement. Look at that. The Twix doesn't even get a look in the excitement of being part of this Christmas story. He's delighted even with the smallest part. And now John, one of the closest friends of Jesus, the writer of that second Bible reading that we had this morning, I reckon John can relate in some way, He'd put it differently, but he'd relate to Milo's excitement, that get-in-there wow factor of being part of this big Christmas story. You see, in his first 18 verses, John expresses the life-changing, history-shaking, cosmic-scale truth that God is real and can be known. So he puts it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. There it is. The creator of all wants to communicate with humanity. And that's where John's Zoom lens rushes into this one unique focus point, the beating heart of his message in verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We, that's John and numerous others who met Jesus, have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, God has a message for us. And that comes in a person. So let's look at the grace and truth this person brings. So there's the truth about God. John decides... Not to mention the manger, there's no angels, there's no Mary and Joseph, no shepherds, no star, no wise men, not even door holder number three. But John shows us both the miracle truth and the stumbling block of Christianity. You see, the miracle is this, God puts himself in his son, center stage in world history. The mighty God, infinitely powerful, totally pure, completely loving, squeezes all of that into a human body, becoming small and frail enough to share life with us. It's like loading up the car as a family to go away for Christmas visiting relatives. I can remember it as a young child. Neatly wrapped presents are stacked all around you. There's luggage piled up as if we're going away for a month and even two dogs in the boot. Crammed full. Absolutely packed in. It's what God did with the fullness of divinity in a person coming not in a blast of power, but in humility, lowly and gentle. You see, Jesus is more than an influential teacher or wise guide. He's more than a good man or an example for us to follow. The truth Jesus brings is that when you meet him, you meet God. It's like Jesus is God's address on earth. And that's precisely the stumbling block for for many people. Indeed, some here today with searching questions. Thank you for making time to be part of this carol service. Being here today shows your open-mindedness. How can though this human being, a child from Palestine, born in some unremarkable backwater of the Roman Empire to simple peasant parents over 2,000 years ago be God? How can that be? And why should we trust him? In a world where there are plenty of scammers looking to grab our money, scandals that shake our trust, hypocritical leaders that harden our cynicism, why is this legitimate? Well, given the broad consensus among contemporary scholars that the historic outline of Jesus's life is historically sound, well, at least we can dismiss, from a secular point of view, the idea that Jesus is a myth. You can just go to volume 10 of the Cambridge and Ancient History volumes, page 844, and then read several pages on the historical Jesus, written by secular professors, world-renowned professors. You see, no secular scholar of ancient history doubts Jesus existed. But then there's the impact he had on human history. We heard about it just then as a glimpse of Heng's own personal human history. But the comedian Lee Mack, uh, from BBC's Would I Lie to You, said in his Desert Island Discs interview, he said this, I think it's quite odd that people like myself, who are in their 40s, are quite happy to dismiss the Bible, but I've never read it. I always think that if an alien came down and you were the only person they met and they said, what's life about? What's earth about? Tell us everything. And you said, well, there's a book here that purports to tell you everything. Some people believe it to be true and some people don't believe it to be true. Wow, says the alien. What's that like? And you go, I don't know. I've never read it. It would be an odd thing, wouldn't it? So at the very least, read it. I don't know whether Lee's taken his own advice, but he's got a point. And John, throughout his account in Jesus' life, of Jesus' life, he isn't embarrassed by the supernatural, the fully human, fully divine nature of Jesus. In fact, John doesn't cover up that there were many people at the time who were skeptical of Jesus' claims. Religious teachers, a Jewish king, a Roman governor, plenty of ordinary people, including his own close friends and his younger brothers who later came to accept he is God. You see, the truth about Jesus, about who Jesus is, the truth about who Jesus is matters because of the truth he brings about us. The truth about him matters because of the truth about us, humanity, his creatures. And John describes this truth in Uh, As light in verse 4. In him, Jesus the Word was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, we know from our experience how a word can bring light. When you're confused about your homework, or how to sort something out on the computer, or you're trying to get the Christmas tree lights on the right setting and stop them from flashing crazily when someone explains it clearly to you it makes sense it's what we call a light bulb moment you understand and see the situation in a different way in a way you hadn't before and Jesus's truth shows us what life is really like and he comes to challenge and expose the darkness and whilst there is plenty of good and joy in this world We cannot help but see and feel the shadow of heavy darkness in life. Back in 1971, John Lennon's song, Happy Christmas, which in it promised that war is over if you want it, was number four in the UK um, charts. This will be the the 52nd, 53rd, if you include this Christmas, 53rd Christmas it's been played played in cafes, played in restaurants, played on the radio, with over 498 million listens on Spotify. And yet, tragically, for many, the wars haven't stopped. The conflicts taking place in Eastern Europe, in Palestine, across parts of West Africa, a testimony to this. The symptoms of darkness, which Jesus calls sin, are very real. You see, sin morphs love into selfish lust. It takes the God-inspired safety of home and makes it a place where the deepest human hurts and violence happens. Domestic violence rates increase over the Christmas period. It's why the River Manchester are doing such a phenomenal work. It's seen in our speak-first-think-later culture where we can hardly agree over what is right and wrong and we'll just slam people shut when they disagree, cancel them out. It corrupts the workplace, it robs governments of its good, it smashes economies, it even cripples the church. And ultimately, all this flows from having put up a wall between us and God. And Jesus experienced and faced that rejection, that wall, firsthand. So in verse 10 we read, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You see, the not recognizing, the not receiving that John talks about isn't the same thing as walking past, say, um, Kirsten Stewart, who is in Manchester this week in the Northern Quarter um, on her way to the uh, Chanel fashion show and, and, and not realizing who she is. It's more like Kirsten Stewart herself uh, introducing herself to you in person, explaining who she is, that she's in the neighborhood, that she's here visiting Manchester, and that she'd like you to join her and some friends for dinner. And then you reply, "Mm, you're lying. I'm not bothered. Just leave me alone. And in a discussion with a guy called Nicodemus, a religious leader, in John's, later in John's gospel, in chapter three, Jesus put it uncompromisingly, this effect of that wall. This is the verdict, he said. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come in to the light to fear their deeds will be exposed. Ali, if you can flick the slide on, we've got that Uh, text there, I think. To be exposed morally is uncomfortable. Imagine all your thoughts, your words, your deeds, things you avoided from the last month, published on WikiLeaks. Just think about that. It would be hellish, wouldn't it? We, We wouldn't want our friends or family to see that, let alone God. We'd be looking for the first flight, wouldn't we, to Lapland, to escape, get away as far as possible, perhaps chat to Santa about why you should keep us off the naughty list. But in our sin, we instinctively push the truth of God away and replace it with something we want. So some run away from God blatantly, ignoring his standards, doing what we want when we want. I can make up my own code for life. I'm the ultimate, so that code is fine. That's ultimate. You see, that person is running away from God saying, just get lost, I'm in charge. Others run from God by being very good, very upright, moral, even religious people. We're putting our trust in a good life, the good life I live. All the kind, meaningful things I've done will make me okay with God. On the final day, in the balance, those good things, they're going to outweigh it. I'll be fine. We run from God shouting, you owe me then, Either way, we're saying, Jesus' diagnosis is wrong. We want all the good gifts he gives, life, health, happiness, friendships, love, fun, fulfillment, and joy, but we don't want anything to do with the giver. And yet, it doesn't have to be like this. You see, the light of truth in Jesus' hands isn't used as a wrecking ball to demolish us, but more like the surgeon's scalpel to cut the tumor of sin out And that's what this verse here, flashed up, shows. John 8, 12. Jesus reassuring us that truth in his hands brings life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And that's why his second gift is so vital. Grace is so vital. If Jesus just delivered truth without the solution, we'd get justice. It would just crush us. But he's full of grace. It is his unmerited kindness, that love that cannot be earned and isn't deserved. And God, fueled by his unbreakable love, sent Jesus once for all to offer us eternal life with him. You see, the baby Jesus lying in a manger where God shows he gets his hands dirty in the world grew up to be the man who died on a Roman cross, getting his hands bloodied in suffering and death. He lived the perfect life of obedience to his Father God, the life we should have lived. And then in his death, he took the judgment of our sin. That wall was smashed down, the guilt, the shame was taken on himself so that we, wouldn't have to face the misery of our rejection of God, that wall everlasting, separating us from the blessing and love of the God we were created for. It's a hellish separation. He did it willingly to bring us forgiveness, to cover and clean away our sin. And his physical new life after death guarantees our rescue. So that all who believe and entrust their lives to him, Jesus gives, as we see there in John 12, this awesome gift, this awesome right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus elaborates on this amazing gift in the conversation with Nicodemus. He puts it like this in John 3, and we've got that verse as well on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The challenge is, what will you do with this free, unearned gift of the love that costs Jesus everything and offers uh, offers it to you? What will you do with it? I was reminded that in 2005, Ahmed Khatib, a 12-year-old Palestinian boy, was shot dead in a refugee camp, a tragic accident, a tragic mistake by an Israeli soldier who thought Ahmed had a real gun when in fact it was a toy. Now what sort of reaction would you expect from the devastated parents? Retribution? Retaliate with violence, inflict pain and suffering on the enemy? Would you expect justice? Get the soldier imprisoned and shut down, shut away for as long as possible? Well, Ahmed's parents did insist on quick and decisive action. They donated their son's organs to an Israeli hospital so that they could be used to bring life to Israeli children and adults in need of transplants. A 12-year-old girl waiting for a donor for five years received Ahmed's heart. Ahmed's father put it like this. He said, I have a message for the world. The Palestinian people want peace for everyone. Now, in human terms, that is an extravagant, amazing picture of love, isn't it? This father, instead of calling for a fight, gives grace. It astounded people on both sides of the conflict. It probably angered people on both sides of the conflict as well. And the families who benefited could not ignore this life-changing gift. That girl would be 30 now, living life because of an extravagant free gift she couldn't earn. I wonder what she makes of what's going on right now. And so at Christmas, we celebrate God's ultimate extravagant free gift of life-transforming love. Is Jesus offering us himself, the savior who rescues us from judgment because of our sin. He forgives us, he loves us, he brings us into his eternal family, a kingdom where there are no small people. In fact, King David, the greatest king of Israel, himself said he would rather be a doorkeeper in God's house, note that Milo, a doorkeeper, than live anywhere else. Being in the tents of the wicked with all the prosperity, no. I want to be in God's house, in his presence. And it's that love of Jesus that motivates us to live each day generously, truthfully, compassionately, following our Savior's lead as he guides us. As he guides us, as verse 18 finishes, holding us in the closest relationship with him as our God. The simple question is, will you accept it? Now, perhaps you understandably need more time to find out more about Jesus. And here are some things you could do. One simple step would be to read John's gospel account of Jesus' life. We have um, some hard copies here uh, down in the welcome area and at the, uh, in the dining hall. Um, we also, you can find it free online at, uh, with some study resources at uncover.org.uk. We've got the address there. Uh, secondly if you've come with someone who is a christian why not talk to them about their faith about how it makes a difference in their life why they believe this stuff you could also take one of our hope magazines which um, have some great interviews in there again just talking about how faith is an everyday normal part of life I, i really enjoyed the interview with um Adjewa Ando, who's an actress. She's been in some Netflix films and Doctor Who and stuff, and hearing about how church life is so central to her as a support. And then thirdly, we have a taster session of the 321 course, which invites you to see life the way Jesus does. And they're meeting next Tuesday the 19th. And there are more details of that on the order of service. There's a QR code that you can click onto and get that uh, info. And finally, I'm just going to finish with a prayer, a simple prayer, that you're welcome to pray if you feel you want to accept that gift Jesus is offering you today. I'll pause between each sentence, and if you want to make this your own, just echo this prayer, say it in your heart, between silently to, to God, between you and him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, my father in heaven, thank you for Christmas time and for all the good things you have given us. Thank you for your great love in sending your son Jesus to be born into the world. I'm sorry that I have turned away from you and pushed you from your rightful place in my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you died so that I can be forgiven and you rose to new life so that I can have eternal life in your family. Lord Jesus, I trust you with my life. Please forgive me and come into my heart as my Savior King and friend. Help me to live for you from now on. Amen. And if you found that prayer helpful, you might want to mention that to the person you came uh, here with, or please chat with me afterwards. That would be a pleasure to do that. I'd love to help you in those first steps of growing in your new relationship with God. And I pray that each one of us here, wherever we are, on that place of faith or not, with our questions and doubts, as well as our joys and hopes, that each one of us would have a very happy and peaceful Christmas. Amen.